that grave. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will and shall rejoice in it. If you're watching us online, we want to invite you to stand with us. Let's stand together and enjoy the presence of the Lord here this morning. I learned that. I like that. Woo!
belongs to the Lord. You say that with me. The battle belongs to the Lord. Over and over again, we see that theme in Scripture where we see these words, the battle belongs to the Lord. Pastor Roger talked a couple of weeks ago, First Chronicles chapter 20 about Jehoshaphat. And they sent out the army of singers and they confused the enemy. First Samuel chapter 17 tells an awesome story about a kid named David, who went out to fight a giant named Goliath. And if you've been around church at all in your life, you know the story of David and Goliath. They were fighting against the Philistine army, and it was not going well. So David, this little kid, said, I'll go. And they laughed at him. They said, you're just a kid. He said, you know what? The battle belongs to the Lord. So let me go out there. So he finally convinced them. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 45, this little kid had the nerve to say this to a nine-foot giant. Now, this nine-foot giant had never lost. He was probably 137 and 0 in his lifetime. But today he was about to lose. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This is a kid talking to a nine-foot giant. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine armies to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, all who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. I don't know what your Goliath is today, but all of us have one. We either have one, we've just had one, or we're about to have one. But I want you to know that God has never lost to a Goliath. And he's not about to start today. So whatever that Goliath is in your life, I want you to remember, I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to to who? The Lord. Will you pray with me? God, 
we thank you that you have never lost. Whatever Goliath we're looking at today, you've never lost to him. You've never lost to that situation. You've never lost anything. And so, God, we put ourselves in your hands. And just like David still had to go down to that stream and pick up five smooth stones and put one of them in his slingshot, there's still things that we have to do. So, Lord, we pick up your word because it's not by sword or spear that the battle will be won. But the battle belongs to the Lord. So, Lord, we ask you today to win and to fight and to to be victorious on our behalf. We thank you for what you're going to do. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said together, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Hey, CTC family, I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. We want to say thank you to everyone who committed to fill a shoebox for this year's Operation Christmas Child. If you haven't yet taken a box, there are some available in the mall at the Bayer campus and at the Ellesmere campus. Collection week begins tomorrow, November 16th, and runs through November 23rd. We still need four families who will commit to filling a basket for our Thanksgiving turkey basket outreach. We're also in need of families who are able to deliver the baskets. The filled baskets need to be returned to the church on Sunday, November 22nd, between 7.30 and 10 a.m. For details on this outreach, see our website or our Facebook page. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. And don't forget to visit our apparel store and order your CTC shirts and sweatshirts. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. so good to see all of you here this morning, and welcome to those of you who are watching on, uh, online. I'm Pastor Roger, and so good to be with you and for you to be with us today. Those announcements are very important. They're not just announcements to, for things. These are the ways in which we work together as the body of Christ, growing in our faith, experiencing God's love over and over, the truth of what he teaches us. And those are just a few opportunities that we have to participate in that. These are opportunities for strengthening our faith and growing together. I want to share with you one other opportunity that we have, and that's called Perspectives. And that's a study that's, that's going to begin in January. I'll be preaching on it, and you've seen some, we've had some announcements about it. But an important deadline regarding the Perspectives class is coming up. And it, it is quite an investment in time, and there is a cost to Perspectives. And if you sign up for the class before... Uh, December 1st, and you are a participant either online or in this here uh, within our church's ministry, Christ the Cornerstone, uh, you'll have a discount on the cost of the course that, that will make it uh, reasonable for us. What is Perspectives? Perspectives is a study that teaches us to look at the world the way 
God sees the world. In other words, a Christian, a Christ-like picture of the world. God looks at everybody through the eyes of love. And that's how God wants us to look at everybody. And this course can help us do that. So I'm encouraging us to do that. All of us live in the midst of different cultures. And we know that Jesus tells us to go into all the world and make disciples of all peoples. Well, in our country, we don't have to walk very far to be in a different world. Actually, all we have to do is go to our neighbor's house. (laughs) And we're in a different world. And some of us live next to neighbors who don't even speak the same language that we speak. They don't eat the same kinds of foods that, that we grew up eating. And I remember my mom and dad, when, and we, we enjoy in my family all kinds of different cultural dishes. And we've learned how to make different dishes. And I remember when my mom and dad were living with us, we would cook something from a, from a different country. And my dad would look at it and just say, what is this? We don't want to do that with our neighbors. We want to say, hey, let's fellowship. Let's share life together. Let's enjoy life together. Let's grow together. This perspectives class can help us learn how to communicate God's love to people of all kinds of cultures, even if that culture is right next door to us. And as America expands, as, as people come and live with us, we need to learn how to do that. So I encourage you to look at this perspectives class. There's information about it on our website, and uh, I'll be sharing some more information about it. But remember the December 1st deadline for receiving an extra um, discount for those who, are, who participate at Christ the Cornerstone Ministries. If you want to give this morning as part of our worship, we encourage you to do so. You can take one of the envelopes that's on the tables or the chairs here, place, fill it out, place it in the offering basket as you leave. Today, if you're online, you can give very simply by going to our website, ctcde.net, and uh, follow the links there to give. If you're in the room, you can still give online, too, uh, by your phone. I want to encourage you, if you're giving on a regular basis, to set that up with your bank or uh, so that there's regular giving. Uh, My family and I do that that way. My wife doesn't like it because she likes to put that uh, check in, but she'll get used to it. And uh, it makes sure that, that we give our tithe and our offerings on a regular basis, so I encourage you to do that. Let's continue to worship God. Don't forget to fill out the Connect card. Uh, Share your prayer requests with us. The Connect card is online as well as those Connect cards that are here. Let us know who you are and how we can pray for you. Let me invite you to stand together as we continue to worship God in song. Second Peter 1.18 We ourselves heard this voice when we heard him on the sacred mountain.
veil is torn, the doors swing wide, I see glory as I run inside the throne room before you, I bow, I bow, the veil is torn, the doors swing wide, I see glory Let's say it together. Holy are you, Lord. Holy are you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. God, we thank you that you are with us right now. Lord, you promised to be with us when we gather in your name, and we sense your presence in this place. And so, God, we ask you, by your power and by the Holy Spirit, to overshadow us. Bring your anointing in this place. We pray for our pastor as he brings the message this morning. We pray for our hearts as we receive it today. And, Lord, in a few minutes when there's a chance for us to make a decision, Lord, we pray that we would decide to go the way you want us to go. That's why we've come here today, Lord. We come to church just as we are, and we expect to be changed before we leave. And so, Lord, we lay ourselves open to you today. Change us into the people you want us to be. Lord, that's our goal. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I congregate on the corner and I listen. I frequent the fields just to feel the posts. I patrol your perimeter and I ponder. 
Do other people hear your whispers? If you listen, you can hear her speak. She says, bring your tools and bring your talents. Bring your heavenly intentions prepped to participate in a renovation that will remind us of our auspicious origins. Establish an economy where transactions not only boast of bullish increases, but also of ethical engagements. Bring your tools and talents to repair the bridge where cultural exchange was the nexus for appreciation, not appropriation. And while you're trailblazing for new ideas, make sure you don't trailblaze over others. While you're building a city for the future, don't forget about my friends from the past. Those who have labored to make me what I am. Care for me. See me as a plant in need of water but not to be washed away. And when you paint me, don't color me bad. Bring your tools and talents, and I will welcome you with great hospitality. However, don't use your ambition as a pretext to push me out as if this home doesn't have a history. Have a humble posture. Learn to listen. Move with mercy. So bring your tools and your talents. But before you swing your doctrine or dig with your methods, make sure you measure your motive and check your own heart. Let's flourish. God, cre- God created us to flourish. And I love that line in there is where he asks, did you bring your tools? Did you bring what God has given to you to be in service to God? That's kind of what we're, we're talking about uh, through our series. The vi- video encouraged us to use all of our abilities, our knowledge, our skills, our resources, all of the things that we have to serve God and others. In our church, we remind one another of that often. I hope every week and throughout every week to do that. To remind us that our faith is not just something in our head or in our heart. It also is part of our life. It's in our hands. Our faith needs to be in the things that we do every day. A couple of weeks ago, I shared one of my, on one of my Friday emails that I send out a story about my brother, who attended a college in in Texas called Laterno University. It's a Christian polytechnic school that I highly recommend. It's a great school. My brother's three years older than me. And so when my family made that drive from upstate New York to Texas for his freshman year, my father was naturally nervous about leaving his son so far away from home. And as we were visiting the school, one of the professors brought much comfort to my father as he, in a casual conversation, the professor, learning that my father was a farmer, said to my dad, we teach our students that whatever they have in their hand, whether at any time, whether it's a Bible, another book, a T-square, a drafting board, a welding rod, or simply a wrench, that it is a tool to be used so that others may know and experience the good message of Jesus Christ. That gave my dad much comfort, knowing that he was going to be in an environment learning like that. And I believe that's true, that everything we have is, is given to us to use for God so that others may experience God's life-changing love. That's why at Christ the Cornerstone we focus on three core tasks. To love God and love others. To serve 
God and serve others, to engage the world with this message of Jesus Christ and to engage one another in community as we pray together, we study together, we learn together, we work together as we are brothers and sisters in Christ. This series, Generous, is leading us to consider the ways we can use whatever tool God gives us to love and serve and engage the world generously with the message of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4.23 shows us that Jesus traveled throughout the region, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming good news about God's kingdom. And there's nothing but good news about God and about Jesus. And Jesus went around healing all kinds of sickness and disease. And we who follow Jesus are given His Holy Spirit to do the exact same things, to teach others the ways of God, to proclaim to others that God has good news for us all, and to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. And our world, I believe, is ready to hear the truth. Don't you think so? We've been so confused with all kinds of conflicting messages. Somebody, please tell me what I can count on, right? The world is ready to hear the truth. People need to hear good news of hope and purpose for our lives and the way that we live together as community. We need hope. We need good news. We don't need more bad news. And our media is set to make money on selling stories that cause them to make money. That's the way the economy works in our nation. We need to hear good news. And families and marriages and relationships need healing. We hear people talking about how our nation needs healing. Our world is ready for the good news of Jesus Christ. And all the things, don't complain about the circumstances of this world because all of these circumstances of this world are like a, a field that is ready to be planted with the seeds of the good news of Jesus Christ. And you are the sowers. You are the sowers. So sow good news. That's our task. So the question is are we as Christ's body both willing and prepared and ready to share it. We need to be. And Jesus is calling us to be generous with this truth, with this good news, and with this healing power. We could end the sermon right there, but we're not going <laughs> to. We're learning ten principles to inspire our generosity to do exactly what Jesus has called us to do. Last week, we looked at three principles, the first three. And if you're here with us on the tables, on the chairs, you've got this little paper. I encourage you to take it. It says, Ten New Testament Principles to Inspire My Generosity. And last week, we talked, we said that God gives uh, the, the priority or the, oh, let me slow down the mouth. Number one principle says, God, give God's will priority over money. Second one says, give sacrificially and not simply out of your surplus. Number three says, give to support those who proclaim the kingdom of God. And so today we come to number four, 
And we're going to go through number seven today. We're going to go kind of quickly because we've got four to cover. One of the most frightening stories in the Bible comes from the New Testament. Number four says, give to God all that he asks for, not just a portion of it. Give to God all that he asks for and not just a portion of it. There's some key phrases here. Give all that God asks of us. Now, God doesn't ask all of us to give all things, but we need to give all that God asks of us to give. In other words, we need to be obedient and not just give back a portion of it. Or, you know, God says, Roger, I want you to do this. And we do it, oh, just kind of half-heartedly because God told me, that I guess I'll have to do this. Hey, I am guilty of that so many times. I go do something and I'm not quite excited about it. But, you know, we're not all in, as some coaches say to their teams. I want you to be all in when you do this. We need to give all that he asks for, not just part of it. If God asks us to do it, do it with commitment. One of the most frightening stories in the Bible comes from the New Testament And God, in this story, God had just given the Holy Spirit to live among the followers of Jesus. And in in response to the Holy Spirit coming, they were greatly inspired with generosity. And many people heard the good news of Jesus. And many people were healed miraculously. One of the miracles was that people shared everything they had in common. Now that phrase tends to frighten us in America, in the United States, because we don't like, many of us, (laughs) communism. Most of us, communism. Some of us want socialism. And even that is a controversial thing. We just had the election. And these are terms, these are ideas that are thrown about. But here in the Bible, there is this experience that looks a whole lot like what we call in America socialism and communism. And what it was is, is that the people of God shared everything in common. We're going to read the story, and it comes from the book of Acts chapter 5, and here's a verse that says that they were sharing so many things in verse chapter 4, verse 34. It says there were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give To those in need. For instance, there was one man named Joseph, one of the disciples. He was from the tribe of Levi. He came from the land of Cyprus and he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So he sold his land and he brought the money. And then, chapter 5, we read this story beginning with verse 1. I want to invite some of the children, if they'd come and kind of illustrate this for us. I know Catherine and Colin, are you, are you willing? And I spoke to some of the parents and I said, if, if the other children want to come up here, uh, uh, Nathan, if you want to come up here and kind of illustrate this with me, I'm going to put my mask on because, you know, COVID is still a real thing. I'm going to set up our stage a little bit with this. Here's our little acting space. 
had this nicely folded so I could unfold it really quickly, but it's still taking too long. Colin and Catherine, why don't you come and stand right here in the middle of it, will you? Oh, great. Mia, so glad you're here. Hope, right? Faith. Yay, faith came up. And Mia, faith, let me have you and Mia stand over here. And Nathan, you guys can stand right over here. And, and you're going to be with me. Uh, and the other disciples, okay? So we're going to be followers of Jesus. Let me introduce you to Ananias. Right here is Ananias. Good man. And this is Colin. This is Colin. This is Catherine. This is Catherine, Colin's sister. But we're going to pretend Catherine is Ananias's wife, Sapphira, okay? You're going to be Sapphira. And so here's the story. The other man, Joseph, sold his property and gave all the money to the apostles. But there was a certain man named Ananias who was with his wife, Sapphira. And they sold some property. And I want to get ahead of myself. They sold some property. Colin and Catherine, turn around and face the, face the people. And, and here's the money that you got, okay? What's that say? Can you see what that says on there? 50. 50. Catherine, 50. Colin, 50. This is the profit you got. This is the money you got from selling that. 50. Is this real money? Yeah. It looks like it. Sure, because it is. Catherine, there's 50. Here's a... What number is that? A hundred. Catherine? A hundred? A hundred? Oh, man. You guys did good on the sale of this property. You got a lot of money for that. Look at that. Wow. You can't hardly hold it. Come on. Hold on to it. There you go. There you go. So, okay. So they sold it. These kids are holding a thousand dollars. They'll never hold a thousand dollars again. Will they, Daniel? That's dad over there. Dad's over there. Okay, so here's the story. They got $1,000 for their property. Whoa, how fun. What are you going to do with that, Colin? Well, let's tell you what Ananias and Sapphira did. It. He said they brought part of the money to the apostles, but they said it was all of the money. Okay, so they, so, so they brought the money to the apostles. Remember, the apostles are right over here. Colin, you go over there. Catherine, you stay here. And give the money to the apostles. So give each of them some of the money. Oh, man. There's $100, $50. That's a lot of money. So give, it, give all your money to the apostles, Colin. <laughs> Colin. Colin, give all your money to the apostles. Because you give all the money. But look at Catherine. She's, man. All the money. And come stand over here with Catherine. Now, the two of you had a conversation. And Colin, Colin, said, Colin said something like, Hey, Catherine, or hey, Sapphira, we got all this money. Let's give part of it to the apostles, but let's keep the other part of it. But when Colin came and gave it to him, come with me, come with me. He said, I gave you all of the money from the sale. Now, is that true? No, that was a lie. Because Catherine 
was tightly holding and hiding this money over here. So, so they lied to the apostles. Let's see what happens. He brought part of the money, claiming it was the full amount, with his wife's consent. So they were consenting adults. And he kept the rest. And then Peter said to Ananias, you guys have to repeat after me, okay? We're Peter. We have to say to Ananias. And Peter says, why did you lie? Say that loud. Why did you lie? Why did you lie? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And long after and sell, after selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, he died and fell to the floor. Boom. Nice. Wait, 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 wait. Stay up, stay up. Step. And everyone heard about it, was terrified. Then some men got up, wrapped him in a sheet. <laughs> well, we'll do it all together. And then three hours later, his wife came in and Peter said, Is that all the money? And Sapphira said, Yes. And she immediately died. And they dragged her out too. Dad enjoyed that too much. Okay, what I need, Daniel needs you to do. (laughs) Let's put the, Daniel, make sure they get the money back in the bag, would you? (laughs) You can't keep the money. The blanket was comfortable. Thank you guys for helping us out. That was kind of fun. Thank you. All right, you can go back to your seats. Thanks for the fun. I get my, get that off. Okay. So yeah, that's what happened. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up and wrapped him in a sheet. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, what is the price for you your husband received for the land? Was this the whole price? She said, yes, that was the price. And Peter said, how could you two even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this. The young men who buried your husband are outside the door and they will carry you out too. And instantly she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. No kidding. That brings fear to me. When God tells us to do something, we need to do all of it. Now, I know that in that story they had lied, but they had said this was all of it, but they held it back and they lied to God and they experienced the consequences because of it. That story sends chills through my spine. The sin is their lie, is their lie, and they paid a drastic price for their sin. In the parable of the talents, Jesus says that those who are not faithful with what God gives to them, even what little they do have can be taken away. Ananias and Sapphira are a stark illustration that instead of taking away their money, God took them away from their money. 
Inspired generosity listens to God and responds without holding back from doing anything God asks us to do. So if God inspires to give a portion, then give a portion. If God inspires to give it all, then give it all in honor and excitedly and with joy. Let's move to a less frightening principle for inspiring generosity. That's number five, which says give to and through the local church in support of various needs. For this one, let's turn to Acts chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. Let's read the Acts chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. And this is a church in a city called Antioch. And by this time, there were groups of Christians living in various places uh, around the area. And verse 29 says, So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take them to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So here is one part of the body of Christ taking an offering and giving it to another part of the body of Christ. Illustrates the principle, give to and through the local church in support of various needs. Now, in this church, we have a, we're, we're organized and led by a, a group of, we call them lay elders, Members of the church, uh, council of lay elders. And every year we, we create a list of different organizations uh, that we as a body support. And I want to tell you what some of those organizations are. And this is a list that we have. And every month we're, we're making contributions to these organizations throughout the year. Habitat for Humanity, Door of Hope Pregnancy Center, Sunday Breakfast Mission, Circle of Love in Christ, which helps many individuals with various home and utility needs, expenses. We support Matthew and Stacy Ayers' ministry. Once it was in Haiti, but now they're ministering, training people for ministry at Wesley Biblical Seminary. We contribute to Bread for the World, Hunger Organization of the United Methodist Church. We support Urban Promise School in Wilmington. Bucks Bible Club, a teen Bible study time at Caravel Academy, Emmanuel Dining Room, Delaware Family Policy Council, Camp Pocomath, Family Promise, and many other local needs that arise throughout the year that just come up. And last year, we've contributed over $95,000 to these and other organizations. And that bag is only $1,000. But if we looked at 95 of those bags, that's what your generosity was able to do in our community, right close to us. That's significant. That's a lot of money. $1,000 is a lot of money to me. Thank you for your generosity. And let's keep it up. Even though COVID-19 has greatly limited our gatherings, it has not stopped God's people, the church. God's purpose is to bring all people to a life-changing and life-saving relationship with Him through the body of Christ. That is, the church. God has a plan for us individually, but also as a body. Let's look at this sixth principle. Number six says, give according to your ability... And give beyond. Give according to your ability and beyond. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
verses 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy. You get that? Here's, here's a group of people being tested many ways, and they are very poor, yet they're full of joy. Listen, when we suffer, we don't have to let the joy go away. We need to be looking for the joy in whatever we're experiencing. So these people were experiencing joy even though they were tested and they were very poor. But they were also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. Their joy caused them to be generous. And without joy, I don't think we can be generous. Last week I shared that households earning between 50000 and 125000 give 2.6% of their income to charities. However, households earning less than earning less than $20,000 a year contribute 4.5% of their household income to charity. Most of us could give more than we do. Are you willing to stretch yourself to, to, go, to give beyond, even if it's just half a percent of what you're currently giving? Or maybe you're giving a, a, a specific amount every week. Do the math and figure out what percent that is and take my challenge to raise that percent by one percent or maybe just half a percent so that you're stretching yourself. You're giving what you know you can, but now you're going to be faithful by giving more and trusting God to provide that for you. One family I talked to actually set up a separate bank account into which they deposit the money that they're giving to others. Their tithes went into that. Their offerings went into that. This is a great way to do it. Sometimes husbands and wives can't decide, can't agree on how much to give. And so this is one way uh, that they, that this couple decided to do that. So they have this account called the giving account. And they both agree how much out of each of their salaries they'll contribute to it. But the hard part is over. And now they look at the amount of this money in this account and together they decide, where does it go? They've made the hard decision to give already. And now this money in this account is no longer ours. It's somebody else's, but we get the joy of deciding who we bless with this money. I think that's a great idea. I want to take that idea a step further and say, what if a family participated in this? What if the parents taught the children to give every time they receive something, to give something to the family's giving account, and then as a family together, you say, wow, we've got this money to give. Let's help others with this money. Because God says to give and give generously. Let's pretend that one of those children comes home from school one day and the family's talking about their giving account. And, and the, little, the daughter says, my friend came to school today without a coat and it was too cold. I said, where's your coat? My friend says, I don't have a coat. 
Mom and Dad, do we have enough money in the giving account to buy my friend a coat? Wouldn't it be great for the parents to say, yes, we do? (laughs) What a great thing to do, to practice this, to practice this principle of giving according to your ability and beyond. The Christians in Macedonia, as we read, were being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they were also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Not just generosity, rich generosity. Generosity in the original Greek language is defined as this, an openness and a sincerity in sharing with others generously, a liberality. Give and give and give. See if the camera's going to follow me. And give. I walked out of the camera. These bags that we're giving away, and I encourage you to take one of these bags. I'm going to move the camera, get back into the camera. These bags that we have to give away are not for you to take to use for yourself. These bags says a gift after gift after gift. Because God pours out grace upon grace upon grace. And this word gift is this is a translation of the Word in the Bible for grace. So I encourage us to, to give and give and give generously to those who need. Go beyond. Now, principle seven. Give with a sense of loyalty in support of fellow believers. We return to this same scripture from 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, and let me read it again. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested with many troubles and they are very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. And then he continues, he says, for I can testify that those people in Macedonia gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. And they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. For the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for because their first action, get this, was to give themselves to the Lord. Just as God wanted them to do. We can't give anything until first we give ourselves to the Lord. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and all these things will follow you. I want to live a generous life. I don't want to be seen as a stingy person. I was joking this week. My grandmother, my mother's mother, was a beautiful woman. She loved God. She played the organ for the local church every Sunday. And she was generous. She was more generous with non-family members than she was with family members. And she was so practical, we got underwear every Christmas. And we were laughing about that this week. I don't want to be like that. I want to be generous with everybody. God, help me be generous with others. And these people were generous. And they begged to be able to give. Are you begging to be able for the privilege to help others and to give? What joy is that to be able to help others? They helped their brothers and sisters in Christ in a city many miles away. They begged Paul to allow them to share with the believers what joy it is to give. My friend Gordon Brownlow was a member of my last congregation. He was very wise. He was a 
he was, he was brilliant. He was a lawyer. He was a successful businessman. He and his wife were advisors to Carolyn and I. One of his often repeated statements was, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels great. I love that. The Macedonian church did that. They gave enough so they felt the joy of the Lord as their strength. They teach us how to do that. How do we give like that? We give ourselves, our whole selves, all who we are, to the Lord first. And God will motivate us with His Holy Spirit. Our first action is to give ourselves to the Lord. That means surrender our own wishes, our own plans, our own desires, our own intellectual abilities, our physical characteristics, our personality traits, and allow them to fall under the power of God through the Holy Spirit. It does not mean that we cease to be ourselves. It means that we become even more of who God created us to be. We're able then to live the life each of us was intended by God to live. A life fully, wholly, and completely in relationship with God, our loving Heavenly Father. And only then can we truly love God with our whole heart, our whole soul, our mind, and our strength. And then we will be fully capable of loving our neighbors as ourselves and completing the law that Jesus Christ gives to us. If you want to be generous with others and make a difference in the world as an individual, and we as a community of believers, we must first give ourselves to the Lord. That is just as God wants us to do. He created us to live an abundant life in relationship with God, and that life is forever. But we all have turned away from God. We've all taken what God is offering to us and saying, eh, thank you, God, I'll live it my own way. That's called sin. And we've all sinned. And the consequences of sin is life without God, eternal life without God, eternal death. And Jesus Christ is God who became flesh to proclaim the good news. Freedom from a life of sin, to defeat eternal death that is the result of sin, and to redeem our lives to abundance, joyful and eternal life in Him. His death on the cross and resurrection are the proof of God's love and power to give us new life. To experience that, we simply declare our need for Jesus. Our own sinfulness, our willingness to turn around and follow Jesus and ask Him to guide our lives with His Holy Spirit who comes to live within us. We give ourselves to God, just as the people of Macedonia did. And then we respond by living a life of overflowing joy which leads to generosity, to the glory of God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, most of you have already received, if you're, if you're on our mailing list, a generous brochure that, that looks like this one, which is an invitation for you to commit to give yourself to God first. And what I'm most concerned is not about how much money you commit to give to the church, but that you are giving your whole self to God. And we're asking you to make a commitment. Next week, we're going to collect these. Some people, many people have already returned these. If you get it in the mail, we're going to have these on the table here in the room next week. 
And uh, you can find it online too, but you tear off this side of it, put it in the envelope, an envelope that we provided or will provide next week, and give it back to us. We will not open that. Instead, we'll put it in a stack with everybody else, and throughout the year our council of lay elders will pray that God will show you how faithful He is to help you make good on the commitment that you've made. And we ask you to stretch yourself in this. Whether it's in time, in the things you do, in using the things you have, or the money that you've got. Giving yourself, the talent, whatever it is. Stretch yourself to be generous with God and with others. Let me ask you these questions. Are you experiencing the joy of the Lord because you trust Jesus for your own forgiveness of sin and new life? Are you living a life of joy Or is joy gone from your life? How will you commit to live life generously this next year? How are you living it now? And next week as we gather, we'll celebrate our commitments. You may want to write them down or fill it. I want to invite you to take a next step perhaps and and, uh, fill out the Connect card that's either online or on the tables. And let us know what God is moving you to do. Perhaps you want, to, want, to, want us to join you in prayer. I know that I've not been using all of what I have to serve God. And I don't know how God wants me to use my home. How does God want me to use my boat? How, how does God want me to use the, the RV or the second home that I've got? Or how does God want me to use my lawnmower <laughs> to serve Him? pray about that. Remember, first of all, give yourself to God. And if that's your decision today, because you feel God tugging on your heart saying, I know I've not given myself wholly. I want to give myself wholly to God. Please let me know that. I would love to hear that. Fill out the connect card and say so online or on paper. And I will join you in prayer and will help you walk along. That's what we're here to do together as the body of Christ. I want to invite you to stand together as we continue worshiping God. I invite you to come here and pray as we sing this song. If you want to do this, if you're at home, you can pray where you are. Let's respond to what God is showing us and inspiring us to do generously. Let's sing together. So high, so high, you 
of Isaiah tells us about this principle that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God thinks about things on levels that we can't even imagine. And so when we try to put our own human intellect into thinking about situations or thinking about how to be generous, for example, it doesn't work logically. But when we give ourselves generosity is a matter of the heart. When we decide that we're going to be generous with not only our finances, but our home and our work and our passion, everything about us, when we decide that we're going to be generous with that, God can do incredible things through us. Not just us as a church, but us as individuals. And so as you go from this place today, I want to encourage you to think about your heart, the condition of your heart. And ask God, what can I do to be generous? Not with just my checkbook, but with everything that I have. With everything, all the tools, like he was talking about in the bumper video earlier. And Pastor talked about all of our tools. We all have different things that we do, that we're good at, that we excel at. And so we're asking the Lord, would you pray with me as we're dismissed today? Lord, we're asking you to take every tool that you've given us 
every tool in our toolbox. We pray that we would make those tools sharp and available for you so that you can in turn use us in generosity to people, to situations, whether it be financially, whether it be with our home, whether it be with our passion, whether it be with our our finances or our, our intellect or whatever it is that you've given us. Lord, we're asking you to help us to be generous with that. And then in turn, you will bless us. I firmly believe that. That as we decide to be generous, that you will in turn be generous again to us. And multiply the tools that we have. Not only as individuals, but as a church. And so we give ourselves to you. Totally and completely, God. We ask you to go with us today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The front is still open if you want to come and pray. If you need someone to pray with you, uh, Pastor Roger or I will be available. Uh, Anybody else uh, uh, that, that is available can pray with you. God bless you. Have a great week.